Good morning, Reach Church. Now to our kids who are headed out to Reach Kids, uh, you can go and head out now. And otherwise, uh, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for another Sunday to gather together and worship your name. We are thankful that, that we get to behold you. That we to call each other to, to behold you and, and see your wonder and your beauty and your majesty. Father, I ask that our hearts would be enraptured with you. That we'd, we'd love you uh, more and more each Sunday that we meet. And Father, I ask that you would use the preaching of your word to do that this morning. Father, we long to follow you, to know Christ and to, to love him. And so, Father, would you strip away um, the distractions and the mundane things and, and let us behold Jesus Christ in his great salvation and in his great love. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, we are continuing in our series, uh, Everyone Needs a Friend. And last week we talked about mentorship mentorship and what it looks like to be a mentor. And this week was, was going to be how to be a Timothy, how to be kind of a mentee, a, a disciple. But uh, looking for passages that address that, that very specific issue um, kind of came up short, and I was surprised by that. Uh, I, I struggled to find a passage and kind of grew to realize that I was looking at it the wrong way that we're not going to find a, a cookie-cutter verse to, to walk us through how to be mentors, how to be disciples, that that is the Christian life. The Christian life is discipleship. It's the call to be disciples of Christ and to make disciples of all nations. And so today we're actually going to, uh, the source kind of behind Timothy, we're going to, uh, to how to be mentors, uh, mentored by Jesus himself. How Jesus himself tells us we are to follow him. That, that's, that's the goal anyway. Um, and mentorship kind of just uh, flows out of that. That if you're good at following Jesus, you're going to be good at following someone who is following Jesus. So I hope that we see the connection there. But today we're going to be looking at, at how Jesus tells uh, three men how to follow him. The three men, they, they come to him and say, say we are ready. We are, we are ready to follow. And we're going to see Jesus' response. And we're going to see that there, there are three main things that Jesus expects from his followers. He expects them to be heaven-oriented. To be, to be moving and looking to heaven. To be seeking life. And to actually be, be distributing life to others. And finally, to be obsessed with Jesus. Now that obsession with Jesus is going to flow into the other three, or the other two. That the reason we follow Jesus is because we are captivated by him. That we love him, that we see the cross, and we are in awe. And so as we seek to follow Jesus, we seek that, to have hearts that are enraptured and in love with Jesus. And that is why we follow. So let's go ahead and look at Luke 9. Luke 9, verses 57 through 62. So last little section of Luke 9. Luke 9, 57 through 62. 
And read with me. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. All right, this is not Jesus holding his punches. This is, this is a serious passage. So we're going to jump right into it. First of all, followers of Jesus are to be radically heaven-oriented. Heaven-oriented. Look at verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now that's, that's a good start to discipleship. That's, that's where we all need to, to begin this whole journey. Uh, m- some people aren't there, and we're, we're hoping that they get there, and we're praying that they get there, and we're, we're helping engage them to get there. But okay, he seems like he's a unique place. But verse 58, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. All right. First off, we notice something. Uh, Jesus recognizes that there's kind of a, a common standard here. That in most of life, things have a house. Things have a home. The foxes have it. The birds have it. But Jesus, Jesus does not. That Jesus is breaking the rules, the minimums. Uh, and, and we wonder, okay, why does Jesus say this to the man? Now, generally, as we look in Scripture, Jesus wants people to know what they're signing up for. He wants to know what they're getting themselves into before they so-called give up their whole life and come and follow him. And so he's laying out, this is exactly what it's going to look like. And I don't want you to be surprised. The terrain is going to be rough, you're not going to have a place to lay your head because I, I don't either. Now, how does that help us as we think about how to be followers of Jesus Christ? All right, the first thing we need to notice is that the way he stresses the, the metaphors here, he recognizes that this is something that, like, everyone expects. They expect to have a roof over their head. The birds get it. The foxes get it. But actually, those who follow Christ... Do not have that guarantee. And that's the sobering reality that as we follow Jesus, there's no guarantees. There's no lowest common denominator of, you know, your life will definitely look like this. Jesus never offers that to us. And so as we seek to follow Jesus, we we are signing up for a certain amount of suffering, but also a certain amount of uncertainty. And there are things that we, we can never take for granted. That there may be sufferings that, that you will endure for your whole life. And you'll never see relief from them. There will be things that, that because you chose to, work, to follow Jesus, you will never get and never see. 
There are desires that may never be fulfilled in this earth because you chose to follow Christ. And Jesus tells us that and he, he wants us to know ahead of time. I feel like much of the Christian life is, is spent disgruntled at God because he hasn't given us the thing that, that we think we've been promised. And that's where he, he doesn't make he doesn't make those kind of promises. He promises suffering and in this life he promises hardship. And, and we accept that because we know the larger picture. But but uh, Jesus is saying more than just the fact that there's going to be suffering in the Christian life. Seems like he's, he's, he's narrowed in on this very specific aspect of it. It's homelessness. Homelessness. Now, in what sense is Jesus homeless? There's just the, the physical, normal, what we'd expect. He, he didn't have a house. He was a wanderer. He traveled about. But I don't think that's getting to the, to the core of the passage. Especially because Jesus says that the Son of Man, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What does the Son of Man evoke in your minds? Now, I think it, it naturally, we think of it like, kind of like homegrown. He's, he's one of us. He's a, a Son of Man. It's actually not how the Bible uses it. And when it talks about the Son of Man, we should have pictures of, of Jesus riding in on chariots of fire with lightning and and all heaven breaking loose. All right, that, that's what we should picture when we picture the Son of Man. That's, that's what the picture is here. And what Jesus is stressing here is not his, his humility and his humanity. He's talking about that he's from heaven. He's not from here. And in that sense, Jesus is spiritually homeless. He's away from his home. This isn't where he belongs. And so, if Jesus is spiritually homeless, we are spiritually homeless as well. That we follow him into that. Now, what does that mean to be, to be spiritually homeless? Well, we are, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are not citizens of the kingdom of darkness. Uh, we've been released out of that in Christ. But what does it really mean to be homeless? Um... I think, it, think of the Paris Foundation. We were, we were at the Paris Foundation uh, last night. I wasn't. I wasn't. You guys were. I was trying to write this sermon. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't coming. Um, and you guys did a great job, I heard. Um, but a lot of them are homeless. What's it like interacting with homeless people? It's awkward. And it's really difficult. Because what do you talk to a homeless person about? Casey was, Casey was telling me this first, and she's like, the first question was like, so where do you live? And it was like, <laughs> like I live in a tent. Like, oh, okay. Like, what do you do for a living? Like, I beg for food. Like, like what, what'd you do this weekend? Like, I begged for food. It's just, it's, and we start to see that, oh, like, they're living on like a whole different plane of existence than we are. That their, their daily life just looks extremely different. And we have a ton of trouble relating to that. And we don't really know what to talk about. 
We just run in different spheres. Now, we are the spiritually homeless. So when we interact with the world, if we're truly following Christ, we should be running in totally different spheres. And we should be spiritual weirdos. And like, don't really know what we're supposed to talk about. Because we're so obsessed with Jesus and this kingdom thing and glorifying God. And they're like, I just, I just want to be happy. I want to have fun Saturday night. Like, what are you talking about? We're, we're homeless. We're homeless spiritually. Now we think of a, another group that, that is homeless, not necessarily by poverty. We think of the refugee. The refugee. Those who are cast out of their country and cannot get back to it. What are they like? They often speak another language. They have other customs, different values. They're outcasts. We are the spiritual outcasts. That we, we have been ostracized from our country. And we are that because of Jesus. We are that because of Jesus. So, what does that mean for us? That means, uh, honestly, the world is naturally going to hate us. The world naturally hates the, the foreigner and the homeless. Because they're different. And the world is going to see us and, and want to spit us out. And throw us up. And, and get us out of the world. Because we, we don't fit. We're a foreign body. And they, they send out the white blood cells to, to eradicate us, in a sense. That's where we stand as, as following Jesus Christ. And so I, I would call you. Are you living as a, as a homeless person? Or are we pretending to be locals? Are we pretending so that we can fit in, so that we can avoid the suffering, so that the world wouldn't hate us? To the extent that we're doing that, to that extent we are not following Christ. And we're giving in to that pressure. Because Jesus, if, when, when Jesus walks the path of life, he, he walks down roads of suffering. And we're going to have to walk down those same roads or we're going to be pulled away from him. But we ask, wait, that's bleak. Thanks, Peter. Woo. Um, <laughs> uh, why do we do it? But why do we do it still? Why is it worth it? I think for, for one, we live like this because we have a better country. We have a better country and we are patriotic about it. Right? We love the customs of our country. And we recognize that, that our kingdom is eternal. And our kingdom is not being destroyed by sin and suffering and evil. And our, our kingdom is run by the true king. And so we are not willing to compromise on these things. We want to be standing out as different and as, as strange to honor the king and to, to show that our country is this beautiful place. 
So we are, we are happily homeless, refusing to assimilate. And in another sense, we want to be homeless because Jesus Christ is not here. That we're not going to be at home and we're not going to be comfortable. We're still going to be homesick until we're with Jesus in the flesh, face to face. As long as Jesus isn't here, we're not content to be here. I think of when, when Casey and Remy left for a couple weeks, like, home was not home. You like, go into the nursery and it's like super depressing and like, it kind of smells like Remy, like, kind of smells bad. But, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, it's just not, it's not home. And that's how we should feel about Jesus. Like, we can't be at home here. Because Jesus isn't here. We're not with the one that we love. And until we're, we're together, we're going to be rejected by the world that rejected Jesus. And we're also going to reject that world back. That we're not at home here. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And to do it with actually a, a sort of a sense of joy. That it's a privilege to, to look enough like Jesus to be rejected by the world. All right, number two, <laughs> number two. All right, the call to follow Jesus means the radical pursuit of life. The radical pursuit of life. Verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. All right, so this one's different. Jesus is, Jesus is doing the calling this time. And the man replies, but he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Reasonable requests. Seems, seems reasonable. Verse 60, Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That is brutal. That is brutal. Um, and we can, we can try to like wish away sort of what he's saying here. Like, oh, like may, maybe Jesus didn't really mean it. Maybe he, he meant something different. Um, it, it does seem to imply that, that it means something a little different than you're not allowed to go bury your parents. So we're not going to do that, that take home. What is he getting at here? All right, well, look at the statement. Let the dead bury their own dead. Do dead people bury people? No, no. Good job. All right. <laughs> this corner is getting it. Um, no, they don't. Dead people don't do any burying. So it has to be a little more complicated than that. Um, Jesus seems to be saying that, that the spiritually dead should be left to, to bury their own. Now, what is Jesus getting at there? Um, Jesus is kind of obvious, but there's, there's two kind of planes of existence. There's two kingdoms here. There's a kingdom of death and there's a kingdom of life. And Jesus is saying, do, do you want to follow me into the kingdom of life or do you want to go back into the kingdom of death? And you can go back into the kingdom of death and kind of keep trying to manage death and, and accommodate it and deal with it and you're never going to have any victory. Or, or you can come with me into the kingdom of life and live in the kingdom of life. And that's, that's continually actually the, the struggle is that as we follow Jesus... We are, we are given those choices between the kingdoms and 
And we can always go back to the kingdom of death. We can choose to sin. We can choose to enslave ourselves. We can choose to return to slavery and, and live in the, in the dead kingdom and live lives as if we are dead. But when Jesus calls us, Jesus calls us to life. To life that is, that is victorious and life that is, that is vibrant. The life that is victorious. And he tells us, don't, don't go there. Stop going back. If you're with me, you don't, you don't need to go back there anymore. And, and I think we need to remember that when, we, when we're faced with temptations and choices that do I want to go back to death or not? Or do I want to live with Christ? But there's, a, there's another sense here where it's not just that he says, don't, don't go. He puts, a, he puts a condition on it. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So yes, we're in the realm of light. But we take the, the resurrection power and proclamation of Jesus and then we go to that dead place renewed and restored and resurrected. And that's what we talked about earlier that we are foreigners. So we're foreigners, we're, we're aliens. But that doesn't mean that we get to huddle and, and build a little enclave and be the Christians. No, we, we're called to, to go. To go and, and bring the life that we have into a world that is dead. And in that sense, yes, we are, we are foreigners, we are refugees, but we're also ambassadors. We're ambassadors. Because that's what Jesus was. He, he came representing the kingdom of God. And he established the kingdom of God. And we are foreigners, yes, but, but we're not scared of the world. We go into it representing the kingdom of life. And in that sense, we actually have to know the, the culture. We have to know how people think. We have to know what, what captures their hearts so that we can be good ambassadors. That's what an ambassador does. They have, to, they have to get entrenched in the culture. And then when they're there, they work for their, their own country, their own nation. That's what we're called to do. To learn the language, to to interact with them even though we are homeless and engage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's how we that's how we go into death. That's how we go into the darkness. We have to go with the power of Jesus. Otherwise we're just we're just throwing more wood on the flames. That it's the resurrection power of Jesus, the word of Jesus that's going to change things. Okay, well, why do we want to do this? First of all, why, why do we not want to run back to, to death? I hope that's, that's fairly easy to see. We don't want to be dead. Um, we don't want to perish. But we mostly don't want to do that 
Because Jesus is alive. And we want to be with Jesus. That if we perish, we can't be with him. That's how, that's how Paul seems to think about it. Like, I'm running after this Jesus because if I don't make it to heaven, I, I don't make it to Jesus. That's what he wants to see. He wants to see him face to face. And so we live that we might live with Jesus. And then we, we go into the world bringing life because we like life. And we enjoy the life that we have in Christ. And we're excited about the possibility of sharing it. That's why we go. Because we, we love Christ, we love sharing him. And we love the life that we have found in him. Um, with that in mind, I know we already plugged it earlier, but like, we have some really good outreaches coming up. <laughs> really good outreaches. We're like, and these aren't like promotional outreaches. Like, people at the fair were saved last year. Like, came to know Christ, heard the message, prayed to receive him. Um, people at the VBS. Like, these are kids who have vaguely been to church and some of them believe in God, but they don't know, they don't know Jesus. These are really cool opportunities to, to bring life into places that are, that are potentially dead. And so take advantage of these opportunities. This is cool stuff. And, and let's do it boldly. Let's do it uh, joyfully that we get to bring life to these people. So go see Tom. No. <laughs> Good take home. Um, all right. Uh, last one. Last one. And this is, this is kind of the all-encompassing one. We follow Jesus. This is maybe too, too simplistic. Because we love Jesus. And we're obsessed with Jesus. And we're all about Jesus. Why would we follow anyone else? Verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Oh, if there's anyone that, that Jesus should let go, it should be this one. And, and honestly, in the Old Testament, uh, when Elijah, Elijah, Old Testament prophet, great prophet, he passes the torch to Elisha. Elijah to Elisha. And the first thing Elisha says is like, okay, I'll do it, but can I go say goodbye to my parents first? And what does Elijah say? He says, yes. He's like, of, of course you can. Like, he essentially says, go and come back. Like, I haven't done anything for you. Why not? Of course you can go. Jesus does not say that. He says the complete opposite of that. I think we need to take that seriously. Look what he says. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Whew. Oh, man. Um, Jesus does not say, What did I do for you? He's, he's basically saying, like, what, what haven't I done for you? Uh, you? No. Like, you can't do that. You need to come follow me. 
And we wonder, like, why, why is Jesus being so crazy about this? Um, and the point is that if, if we follow Jesus, we're only going to be able to do it and we're only going to do it in a way that glorifies God if it's because we love Jesus and if we love him more than anything else. Because we follow what we love. We don't follow what necessarily what we think is right or what is the most practical. We follow what we love. And so if, if we're pushing our plow, pushing towards Jesus, and we see something that we love, we're going to start to veer that direction. That's what Jesus is saying here. And this guy, this guy is saying, but, but I just want to say bye to my parents. And he's saying, even, even that is a distraction. Now, that, that's pretty crushing. Because we, we think of that like, I would like to think about more like, oh, like, if I'm looking back to my, to my old life, or I'm looking back to sin, or I'm pining after a life without Christ, like, that we can understand, like, no, no, don't do that. But this is Jesus saying that, like, even the good things... Can't be first. They can't have any priority. It needs to be me and me alone. That Jesus has to have our full heart, our full love, our full attention. Otherwise, we're we're not fit for the kingdom, and we're not going to make it. We can't. We cannot be running the Christian life just because we. We think there's a, a nice set of rules associated with them. Or because the Christian life works. Or because we like the principles of it. And we can't run the Christian life because we like the retirement program. They're like, oh, like, where do I want to spend eternity? Like, in hellfire or heaven? Like, oh, okay, heaven. Let's, let's do that. Like, no, that's not going to get you there. Because really you're just running after leisure. And, and Americans are good at that. No, we have to run after Jesus Christ himself. Nothing else. We have to actually love him and, and do all things because, because we love him and we enjoy him and because he is the prize that we're looking for. Look, uh, Paul, Paul says this perfectly in, in Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained salvation or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ made me his own. Because Jesus Christ made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That Paul is running after Jesus. That Jesus is his prize. That that is what sustains him. That's what keeps him suffering and willing to do so. That's what keeps him from turning back to death. It's because he, he, he loves life with Christ. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to love Jesus. 
And I think that the best way to do that is the cross. We think about how, how we are to be, we are to be heaven-focused, kind of heaven-oriented. Jesus, in this life, he was earth-oriented. He realized, I, I need to go down there to that cruddy little messed up world because I, I need to fix it. I need to redeem these people. He already had the eternal joys. But he recognized, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be all about them. And we're supposed to be uh, life-centered and running after life. Jesus, in his life, he was, he was running after death. That he came to this earth so he could die for us. We think about his life and we think, well, Jesus, why did you, why did you heal on the Sabbath? Why didn't you just heal on another day and not make everyone so upset? Like, because he needed to die. And Jesus, like, why did you go to Jerusalem when you knew everyone's going to kill you? Like, because he came to die. And why didn't you call down your angels? Why didn't you let the, pa the cup pass you by? It's because he was seeking death so that we might live. He sought our death and took it for himself. And ultimately, as Paul says, Christ made me his own. That Jesus, to, to glorify God, he became obsessed with us. He made us his own. He loved us first so that we might possess him. That is why we love Jesus. That is why we run after Jesus. That's why we want to be with Jesus. And we need to be sustaining that love. That's why we're here. We're here so that we might love Jesus. That's why we read our Bibles, not so we like check that box, but so that we remember how much we love this Jesus guy. And we pray so we might have a relationship with him. We do fellowship so we might exhort one another to keep loving Jesus. That's how we run the race. That's how we finish strong. That's how we follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are, we are humbled. We are humbled by the fact that, that you call us to such things and, and we are not worthy of them. That our hearts are cold and Father, we do not love you as we ought. That we, we doubt, we look back, we run back to death, we we are not full of, of unwavering love for you. And yet you, you had that for us. That you were faithful, you were resolute, you were, you were full of love for us and, and you released us from our chains. You released us from death, you released us from, from the darkness. Father, I ask that you would give us a great love for you. That you would change our hearts. 
Let us have a renewed vision of your cross and what you've done, that we may follow you, not out of obligation, but because uh, our hearts long to be with you. Let me pray this in Christ's name.